Welcome to the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast, where we explore popular practices, songs, and ideas in the modern church world. In the light of Sola Scriptura and Toto Scriptura, I'm Cody Fields, president of the Noseminster family of guitar effects. You can check us out at westminstereffects.com and make sure you join in the discussion on the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge on Facebook. I'm joined in person by... This is Bradley Cox, pastor at Resurrection Church in Greer, South Carolina. Still no fancy titles. Uh, <laughs> Gotta work on that. Via the internet... Hello, everybody. John Ross here, Westminster Effects artist and Augsburgian Christian from Lincoln. <laughs> and grumpy church nerd. Uh, we were going to have Cade Foner, Fainer, I don't know how to pronounce his name, uh, but former. Pronounce his last yeah, name. exactly. We had, a, we had a mix up on the time uh, <laughs> with that kind of. It happens all the time, especially when you're translating between time zones and all that good stuff. Yeah. Um, so, uh, anyway, John, what'd you do in church? So, uh, continuation of kind of what we chatted about last week, uh, which uh, big apologies for the delay in the publishing of last week's episode. We had some uh, uh, some everybody some forgot, <laughs> literally everybody forgot. That was my fault. I didn't post it. It was also John's fault, Dropbox. and it was also my fault because I forgot to ask, and John even forgot to even look to mix it on Friday. So. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, we can all wear it. Yeah. Anyways, now uh, you know. Last week I mentioned that, that we had started our uh, um, one of our few parable preaching series throughout the year, kind of an at the movies sort of deal. And and you know that's not my really my thing. It, it, it doesn't um, doesn't necessarily apply to me because uh, it's not it's not how I work um, necessarily. Um, but at the same time, I love metaphor, so it's it's a weird thing. Uh, anyways, uh, this particular parable preaching series is a classic sports movies. Last week was The Sandlot, as, as I mentioned, and, and this week is Remember the Titans, uh, based off of the theme scripture that they actually sing, um, kind of sing-songy uh, in the film from uh, Isaiah chapter 40. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not grow faint. So this is this week was a really good example of what I think parable preaching, um, in, in the sense of an at the movies sort of, sort of thing, uh, really could be. Um, minimal clips, um, just ones that really highlight um, certain certain things, um, certain tensions, and uh, that that can be analogous to, to things we find in the text. Um, and, and so I, I left feeling a lot better than I did last week, which which was good. Uh, That's good. You know, That's fe- very good. Feeling is feeling is in everything, but on like a cognitive level, even um, not not just strictly spiritual. I, I, I did feel um, that uh, that it, it kind of made its way home a, a, a bit more for me, and um, maybe it's just because I like remember the Titans, but I don't, I don't think that was it because. Um, it, it, you know, it, it just worked well uh, for for whatever reason. Um, I had the week in quotes off. Um, the uh, uh, we actually, if if those of you who remember our episode with uh, Lars Gallagher, our sound engineer for Two Eleven Central, uh, he actually played rhythm guitar uh, yesterday. Oh, nice! And uh, it's been it's been years since uh, since he's uh, um, you know 
played with with a band. Uh, you know, he he did mention when he was on the show that that he has filled in a, a few times, and 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 he has. Uh, but it's just been a minute. <laughs> it, yeah, it, it's it, it's been a little while, and and he did a good job. And you know, we we gave him the opportunity, uh, not only Lars but some of our other musicians to to suggest songs that they would like to lead, rather than having that single uh, worship leader frontman sort of thing going on this past Sunday. And uh, chosen oldie, uh, well, not quite. Uh, Manifesto by City Harmonic. Um, Super old. Yeah, I mean, we we used to play that one yeah. fairly regularly, didn't we, Bradley? You know, yeah. Unfortunately, they skipped the bridge, which kind of made me sad. But you know, the Lord's Prayer part. I know the actual manifesto they skipped. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I guess it's hard got, to sing. It's hard to sing. I guess they all got scared off by the flatted fifth. Uh, but you know, that's I don't, I don't, I don't know. But that part's hard to sing because you, it, it you know, you listen to the recording and he's one breath. Mm-hmm. Through that whole deal, yeah, and I, I've led that song many times, and I, I never could get through that whole thing without breathing in the middle, which kind of is a little wonky, but for sure. Anyway, I mean, well, I, well it, it, you know, I, I think it's almost a case study in, you know, what do we, what do we do uh, when there's challenges? I mean, like if there's a part that has an instrumental break, and you know, traditionally or usually a guitar solo, and the lead player that week can't pull it off. Do we just let them struggle, or do we just say, hey, you know, we're gonna we're gonna pass this, you know, pass on this for this week, you know, serving the song um, in order to uh, in order to serve the congregation better, um, but you know, went went well. Uh, it's always interesting when we have someone else on the on the sound desk because uh, things just don't get mixed in the same way that that you are used to or you expect, um, right? Uh, did one thing kind of out of the ordinary from the musical sense, um, we. In the spirit of oh, what's the what's the name of the band? I, you know, I don't I don't remember the name of the band anymore. Um, but uh, Digital Age, maybe uh, that uh, I noticed in one of their music videos that their lead singer has a keyboard, kind of an auxiliary like key, main stagey keyboard thing uh, towards the up towards the front, not in front of them, but off to the side. And so we try to adapt that this week since uh, Josiah, our primary music leader, is uh, is a keyboardist. And, uh, you know, we put like the samples for real love and, and stuff on the trigger pads on it. And, you know, it worked pretty well. It was it was nice having um, those multiple keyboard parts actually being played uh, in in real time rather than having to rely on tracks or, or not do them at all. So, yeah, uh, pretty good week. Um, had a congregational meeting afterwards that was pretty much just a bunch of talk, which most of them are. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, Lutheran polity. Gotta love it. Uh, but yep. yeah, what about Res? Yeah. Also, if you want to ruin your childhood, just read Deadspin's article on Remember the Titans, and that's all I'll say about that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, good week here, at Res. Uh, Bradley, you led. You mm-hmm. did. You did. You had the week off from preaching. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we ran two electrics. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, nothing went drastically nice. wrong. People like to hear about when things go wrong, but nothing really went wrong this week. Um, well, well, we did we did have a singer who shall remain nameless to protect the innocent, um, but she showed up, what, 40, 45 minutes late because she, she overslept, uh, but you wouldn't have known during the service, uh, yeah. which, which, you know. The good just, thing about her is that she 
she knew her part. Even yeah. though we were doing a new song, and she wasn't there Thursday night either for right. our rehearsal oh, right. because of family obligations. But you know, we talked about it before. She came in and she knew her part. She had yeah. practiced on her own. So and, and she's always prepared anyway. She's always yeah. prepared. So nothing Super really to worry talented. about there. Yeah. Um, in terms of sermons and such, Keith uh, went from Romans fourteen. Um, was he really harped most? I think on that verse one of not really harped. That's a terrible word for it. But kind of focused in at least in the application of quarreling over opinions, not beating people over the head with them, uh, you know, using labels, uh, whether it's political, theological, whatever, uh, in a weaponized way, um, which can go both ways. Like, as soon as you think, oh, yeah, well, I totally got labeled in this way and beat over the head with that. What about the time I did it to someone else? Or the other way around, like... You know, since since I like to debate things, <laughs> I can I can immediately think, well, man, I I did kind of, you know, bludgeon that guy that one time, but then at the same time, somebody else has done that to me, right? You know, so it's it's kind of that give and take, giving each other grace, uh, understanding we're all family if we're in Christ, right? I think you know, our retired pastor. Um, he used to talk about this all the time about how Christians can so easily get divided over non-essentials, right? You know, um, and by non-essentials, I mean we're not talking about core doctrines here. We're not talking about the virgin birth or the Trinity. We're talking about personal convictions, and that's really what you know. Part of what Romans chapter fourteen is about is the division yep. that can be. Uh, caused in the church over these over quarreling over opinions and convictions uh, that we we don't necessarily share with each other, uh, but we all share Christ, and I think that was you know Keith's main point on Sunday from Romans fourteen. Right. Uh, this week I'll finish fourteen, and I'm going to really talk about um, some of the definitions of the words. You know, what does Paul mean by weak? You know, right. When he talks about a brother being weak in faith, mm-hmm. and you know not judging them or despising them because they don't share the same liberty that you do. Um, I, you know, it's kind of like the uh, the line from The Princess Bride. You know, you keep using that word. I don't think it means what you think it means. Um, <laughs> people get pe- yeah. people use Romans 14 to, uh, to judge, right. <laughs> which right. is so crazy because it's, it's about not judging. And yet, you know, that passage of scripture gets leveraged a lot of times because I don't think we understand what Paul means by weak uh, mm-hmm. and what he means by having more liberty and 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 you know what what the what the real issue is of sin in the chapter it's it's perhaps not what you thought it was so tune into the res faith podcast next week and hear how we handle that shameless Plug. Shameless plug, absolutely, shameless plug. All, all the time. Uh, this entire podcast is a shameless plug. It's a shameless plug. <laughs> the entire podcast. Um, but I mean, one of, one of the other uh, other abuses that you see is, of, of Romans fourteen is is turning liberty into license. Exactly. Uh, of going exactly. overboard with certain mm-hmm. Christian liberties, or even uh, you know throwing certain liberties in people's faces, where where there's there's abs- there's absolutely nothing wrong with 
I don't think, with a Christian saying, hey, I just went to this beer tasting and it was incredible. I think it's all in the spirit and how you do it, right? Exactly. And and being sensitive to who you're talking to right. sure. when you do that. But in order to be sensitive, I think you've got to understand what Paul means by weak. And if you don't understand what Paul means by weak, mm-hmm. uh, then you're going to struggle to discern, you know, where is it that I need to abstain for the sake of not causing a brother to stumble? Yep. And where is it that I can, in a humble way, you know, be free to talk about my liberties without being afraid that I would offend someone? You know, right. I, I think those are those are critical things to understand in Romans 14. And um, I think we laid the foundation Sunday, Keith did, with, you know, talking about our tendency to be judgmental, our tendency to label people, and the danger of division. Uh, and this week we'll, you know, we'll define the terms and um, get a little more specific with it. So. Yeah, Keith also made a really good point of we automatically assume that we're the stronger party in Romans 14, right. <laughs> where a lot of times we might not even realize that we're actually the weaker party. Like we're... You know, you go through life, and there's going to be times when you're stronger, and there's going to be times when you're the weaker. So it's good to know both perspectives, right? Looks like 5,000 miles broke the camel's back. Um, so, Bradley, uh, tee us up for our main topic. Uh, you read the question, so I'm going to assume that you still have it pulled up. I have it pulled up. Uh, who's it from? Hunter Chapman. Or Chapin? Chapin? Chapin. Sorry. Sorry. (laughs) Chapin. Hunter Chapin, uh, his question is, um, is is fellowship and transparency with one's congregation the only way to combat the passive worship mentality during a worship service? Is it more on the musicians leading the worship, the pastor's teaching of how to worship, or the congregate's uh, preparation prior to the service, possibly a combination of all three? And if so, is it equal across the board or more on one group than the other? Mm. Mm. There's a lot there. <laughs> so, so where do we really start? Uh, do we just start at the top and kind of work our way down? Uh, well, I mean, well, I think... Go ahead, John. Well, I, I think we may be at a bit of a disadvantage just because there's some things that are, are, are said that that maybe we don't know the exact spirit of like the, the transparency and fellowship piece. I mean, it, for me, it seems like, uh, making sure that the congregation quote feels that the band is not some sort of, uh, um, untouchable, uh, mm-hmm. you know, world-class act that doesn't want to hang out with the congregation and, and wants nothing to do with, with them outside of, outside of worship. Um, and then, then also the, the passive worship mentality, which I would assume, once again, a couple assumptions here is, uh, is more of the, you know, standing, singing kind of, you know, participating in, in, in the music just by listening to it sort of deal rather than uh, using it as a tool for, for, uh, declaration of praise or, or whatever, you know, I, I don't know. Um, it, it sounds like something that that might be uh, going on in in uh, Hunter's individual congregation, and uh, well, so I, I think we're at a bit of a bit of a disadvantage. But um, nonetheless, I think we can we can still uh, touch on some main some main points there. What, what's interesting to me, like the passive worship mentality, um, interpretation of that, and whether or not it's 
you know, present in a given service yeah. could vary widely. Yeah. Depending on the church. I mean, I've been in churches and I've led worship in churches where, um, you know, you, you take one of Rez's quote unquote best Sundays in terms of mm-hmm. the spirit of worship. Yeah. And in those other churches that I've been in, mm-hmm. that would be judged as passive. Because the yeah. the level of expressiveness is not like we we all sort of have a um, a standard or you know a frame of reference by which we measure mm-hmm. whether or not people are being passive in worship or if, and, or if you put res like if you take the entire congregation of res and put that in a very traditional Southern Baptist church they'll think that we're crazy they'll think we're crazy yeah we're we're swinging from the chandeliers <laughs> quote unquote um, but it. it you know, there's there's such a wide interpretation of that, and we I think we've talked about this before. We have to make room for people that worship in a less expressive way than we do outwardly. Right. You know, they, their you hands know. may not go as high, their their emotions may not be as outwardly visible as our own, or vice versa. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't necessarily mean that there's passive worship, or we, we might use sure. a term. What did you say a while ago, Cody? Like mindless, just going through the motions kind yeah, yeah, of yeah. worship experience you know it's it's difficult to judge that based on outward appearance well, yeah alone. and that's and that's something i definitely sympathize with because i'm not a hand raiser like i i'm more prone to kind of bow ahead or something mm-hmm. like that right. where where bradley you're basically given the rocky pose half the time well, yeah, when, man. when you're not, when you're not leading you know <laughs> yeah seriously sometimes when you talk about uh uh res i i picture the james brown scene from blues brothers you know, <laughs> when they're bouncing all over the place, and he's up there, he's like, "Have you seen the light?" You know, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's not us, but that's funny. Not at all. But we're on a mission from God. <laughs> we're on a mission from God. <laughs> oh man. Oh no. You know, it's funny. Like probably the church that we're closest to in our own city, uh, we have very similar DNA. Um, in fact, that church is going to be uh, using our facility next year. Um, I'm actually pretty excited. About I am that. too. Um, maybe, maybe we need to get them in. Oh, it'd be great. Yeah, uh, Trevor is is great. He'd be great on this. Um, but you know, the their worship style mm-hmm. preferences is definitely tamer right. than ours. Um, and uh, so, I guess what we're saying, maybe point number one is we have to be careful not to judge a, a congreg- congregational worship uh, service as passive or just going through the motions based on outward appearances alone. Yeah. Um, and so the question then would be, well, how do we determine that that's what's going on in the church, that, that there needs to be some sort of initiative taken either by the worship team or by the pastor or, or both? Um, in this case, to to encourage more, um, I don't know, thoughtful, engaged worship. Um, you know, how do we judge that, and then what do we do about it? Would be a, a, maybe a follow up question to this. I mean, so just from from recent discussions uh, over over at Christ, um, you know, we we've been through some some leadership transitions as far as the the band and music go and and whatnot. And, you know, one thing that has, has made a change is uh, 
the amount of clapping uh, in the sense of clapping to the beat uh, of the song or, or whatever it may be. And uh, I, I don't really think anything of it because, you know, whatever. Um, but I will say, you know, it, when you see the congregation doing that, it does tend to... Uh, well, I can turn my channel up too. It does tend to uh, give you the idea that they're participating, that they're engaged when they are clapping along. And, and to the point where, um, you know, our, our main pastor for, for 211 Central... <clears throat> or two of them, Sumner, I suppose, as we call it now, um, has you know asked us to to be mindful and intentional about uh, about clapping and not just clapping you know when whenever you have a free moment, but doing so in a in a sense that um, follows the allows them to participate in the song, uh, so to speak, and and you know I'll admit we we've struggled with that and and partially. Um, just because it's 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 gosh darn hard to hard to remember and to add that to a song roadmap when you're working through it with the band, but um, you know I I don't I don't really know if the I mean yeah the clapping is is cool and and, and seems to express some sort of engagement, but um, you know if they're just doing it because someone on stage I, I you know I don't know um, so that's that's a that's a stressor a, a, a tension that that we've been trying to walk through, um, together and nothing that's causing like, you know, derision or, or anything terrible, but, uh, just something that, uh, ha has been a notable change that there's less like, uh, you know, there's less, you know, people swaying to the beat and whatnot. And like, I, I, yeah, I don't know. It's not a concert. We, we, do we need that? I don't know. I, I would err on the side of no, um, and to ensure that you know our music is scripturally sound and accomplishes the purpose for purposes for which we do it, you know, to teach and enable, um, you know, I, I don't know. You know, Cody sent um, out a blog. I, I think you sent it via text. I don't know if you shared it on the podcast lounge or not yet, but mm -hmm. I thought that blog was really, really good. Which uh, one was it? it? It's the one that <laughs> talked about. Um, I don't know, a certain number of things that I did not do. Oh, yeah, I sent that to the council. What, what was yeah. the title of the article? Uh, how, however many things I didn't do that improved our congregational singing or something like that. It was on the Gospel Coalition. Yeah, that that would be a great like recommended reading yeah. for this podcast because you know it, it talked about sort of the antithesis of what I think is normative for modern you know style worship church, uh, services. Where you know the lights are dimmer, uh, a down. It's darker room. Uh, it's more band heavy, um, as opposed to a, a, a stronger emphasis on congregational singing and the voices engaging the congregation, uh, being more concert driven versus more you know people singing together. Uh, lights being up a little more, maybe or or a lot more. I don't know. Uh, it talked about those kinds of things, which I thought was was I don't know. There's just we, we've gone through this two decades worth, I guess, of let's make church feel more and more like a concert venue. Right. And I don't know, but what that's perpetuated um, this notion that outward expressiveness mm -hmm. uh, is that that's how we define 
worship being good and genuine and people engaged. And it may not necessarily be the case. And then when you turn those things down or you turn them off, people tend to stand there and not be as expressive. And so maybe that's passive. So let's let's bring in more smoke, more lights, more instruments. More the Holy Spirit vo- only works when you have a fog machine. Yeah, more volume, <laughs> right? And, and, and that's not, I think that's one of the things it talked about too was just, I did not make the music louder. Right. Right. Uh, as 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 though that's gonna and, and I I'll be honest to say that there was a time period where I thought if it wasn't loud, it wasn't gonna work. Right. Mm. And that's kind of relying on Yeah, those relying things. on those yeah. things. And that's just you were basically Methodist. Well, yeah, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Well, I remember yeah. one time I remember one time we I got invited um with a group I was leading to lead worship at this it's the same youth conference that our students are about to go to mm-hmm. in Tennessee. Um, I it was a smaller conference then, not as big as it is now, and so a group I was leading got invited to do worship for the event, and my sound guy forgot the subwoofers. Oh no! And I was so mad, and I thought this is going to be a disaster, and it ended up paying a college student that I knew was still back on campus to drive up to Gatlinburg, Tennessee, in like minus something degree weather with ice all over the roads and subwoofers in the back of his little <laughs> hatchback um, vehicle <laughs> just so we didn't blow it, you know? And I don't know. I, I just thought that blog was really good and something that everybody should read uh, yeah, to yeah, challenge yeah. our thinking about this this particular yeah. issue. Yeah. One, one of the things that I think is really interesting uh, in Hunter's question is he, he talks about transparency. <laughs> and, and I think, a lot of times, it's one of those where I can easily overstate this because there's an abuse that can happen within transparency, right? Is no one no one wants, nor should a worship leader get up there and be like, you know, I'm really struggling this week. By the way, I just, you know, screwed up all of my accountability with, with my X3 watch last night. Right, right, right. <laughs> or, or whatever. Like, there is a line... <laughs> of transparency that's appropriate uh, within corporate worship, right? Where, you know, our our culture so often feeds into this, well, I'm just being authentic, man. Like, you just need to deal with it. And, well, yeah, to an extent, but you also need to be sanctified. You also need to be, you know, and and there may be a case where you outright just need to be justified in the first place. Um, You know, the transparency, yes, we all struggle, yes, uh, things suck sometimes, and and we we acknowledge that we acknowledged it yesterday, even yeah. uh, to some extent. I don't remember. I don't even remember how we went about that. But it, we what we can't dwell on is, yeah, my life sucks. It's a mess. It's well, Jesus did these things for his people, and that's why we're here ultimately. And and those things will be cleaned up by him, uh, not necessarily immediately, but at least in the resurrection, right? Mm-hmm. So that's that's my little rant on transparency and authenticity and how it often gets abused. For sure. You know, I mean Also, I have a funny side. story. Oh, never mind. Did, <laughs> I mean, I'm all for the funny story. Okay, so you keep cutting in and out, John, so we don't know when you're talking. <laughs> I don't I can't I'm a pretty big guy to shove down an internet pipe. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That is true. I'll suck it in and and save a few kbps. Yeah. So so John, I, you reminded me of this story from 
my my church days growing up in in the Church of Christ, where you know I've talked about it before we had no instruments. Um, but there was actually a controversy in my church later on about whether we should clap along to songs. Hmm. Uh, and there was, I remember in middle school or high school where during our Wednesday services, uh, during the summers, we would have guest preachers come in and this one preacher comes in and he starts railing on clapping during songs because it releases endorphins and makes you feel good. And since you're deriving that good feeling, it makes it all about you. Well, on the overhead projector behind him, since he didn't bring in notes, we just left it on, on, you know, kind of an artsy slide, you know, as artsy as you can be in the late 90s, early 2000s. And it was none other than Psalm 98.8, which reads, let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together. (laughs) And so he's just railing on clapping. We're like, you realize what's right behind you right now. And we're just, we're all just kind of like doing the, the Picard Star Trek face palm <laughs> as as we chuckled under our breath. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Yeah. Well, I guess I guess the only thing that you know that I was going to mention as as an aside is, uh, um, and and maybe this is is transparency. Maybe some of its authenticity is, uh, you know, when our our previous. Uh, uh, worship leader, uh, you know, took a, took another another job uh, at another congregation, um, in another another part of the country. I'm a complete relocation. Um, he was the one that primarily had driven what had become the 211 style. Uh, you know, more uh, nobody likes the word edgy, but edgy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, in fact, that just, like, that just sounds weird to say for a church, doesn't it? Well, dude, the mid two thousands, like slogan for two eleven was worship with an edge. Uh, <laughs> and by that, by that, do you really mean just a whole lot of dotted eighth note? Maybe I I don't know. Sorry, I work messages coming to my phone. Oh, well. no, you're good. Um, I but, was making a U two joke. Yes, well, everyone likes you too. Um, yes. I like you too. Why not? I mean, some. some I don't despise them. Don't have a name. Um, anyways, <laughs> sometimes you still haven't found what you're looking for. <laughs> um, and sometimes you get a free album on your iOS device and just can't get rid of it. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, so one thing like, he defined that style, right? And now he he's gone, and the two of us who, as instrumentalists, you know, absorb that style, but like vocally and, and leadership wise, don't really do that thing, that kind of alt rock meets electronic thing. I mean, we're very much more in the in you know the vertical worship or. Um, I mean, we're both really into synth, kind of synth wavy stuff now, like really like 80s back, you know, uh, kind of just like chill. Like, the, and, and we're both like old school evangelical Christians. So, like, songs like um, Praise Adonai, you know, like I'll just start playing a riff and I'm like, hey, this sounds like, oh yeah. And I start playing it and he whips his head <laughs> like, Praise Adonai. And I'm like, yes, from the rising of the sun to the, the, Dawn of every day, and uh, you know, like not that that's stuff that we necessarily want to do, but our styles are just so much different. 
that sometimes I wonder if we are missing out on not just visual congregational engagement, I mean, clapping or whatever. I mean, people are going to respond um, how, how, they, how they will. Uh, but sometimes I wonder if we're, we're lacking authenticity by trying to continue the same thing. Kind of like if your favorite restaurant gets bought out by somebody else and they still keep trying to do the old menu. Like, let's say they bought a barbecue restaurant. The old menu said, um, sl- ooh, my, my, my daughter is coming in in shot of the microphone, I think. Um, you know, and, and you bought a barbecue restaurant and the thing says slow-cooked slow ribs, right? Slow-cooked ribs with a rich sauce. You know, that sounds good, right? Except the guy who bought the barbecue restaurant is Italian. And he you know, does, instead of like pork ribs and hickory barbecue sauce, he does like um, braised, braised short ribs, you know, with like a marinara sauce. Like technically, no. ribs with sauce. Still technically ribs with sauce, right? But it's completely different. And I, and I Bradley, I think you just had an aneurysm with as much of a barbecue connoisseur as you are. Oh, chill, <laughs> chill out. Um, it's a good analogy, though. You know, and, and 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 it's one I you know I just happened upon. Hi, Peanut. Love you, sweetheart. Bye, honey. Um, <laughs> that I just happened upon after rehearsal a couple weeks ago, and I was trying to figure out. It was like you know I I think I I wonder what we're going to turn into musically, and I've been really struggling with like um, there's so much of our old catalog that just doesn't it's not us anymore, and mm, we've we've yeah. cut a number of we've cut a number of songs and. Uh, you know, and and so I wonder if 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 that kind of forced, uh, kind of unauthentic sort of thing, uh, you know, might uh, negatively impact uh, congregational engagement. I don't. Have well, an you, on you, that, but it's I mean, point. you do have, you know, leadership kind of sets the tone, right? Where uh, even our songs that we sing are teaching something. Mm. Uh, where they're either teaching that we really don't care about doctrine or they're teaching, hey, these are the core truths of the gospel. And obviously there's there's room for simpler songs that aren't entire treatises. Um, sure. But at the same time, the things that are said in in musical form a lot of times will stick around easier than something from a sermon for people. Yeah. You know, like we were just talking Bradley about a song that we played yesterday that's been stuck in our heads yeah. because it's so dang catchy. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, leadership sets the tone. You're absolutely right. Whether it's musical genre or postures or expressiveness or whatever, you know, um, <clears throat> there's a word that we haven't used yet here. Um, and that word is accessible. You mm. know, we talk about transparency, we talk about authenticity, and you know, those words get get chunked around with a lot of sentimentality, and 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 we never re- maybe we never really get to the root of what what's going on there. But you know, that blog, which I really hope people will go and read, th- that was the word that I came away thinking about when after I read it was accessibility. Yeah. Is that the the more accessible you can make the worship experience, the, I think the better the chances are that people in, will engage in an authentic and transparent kind of way. Yeah. Um, mm. I think case in point yesterday, um, Cody, you had put in a scripture reading uh, from the Psalms prior to that new song we did yep. um, called Great Things. 
And I was leading worship, and so it was really a, a good opportunity for me just to pastor the church a little bit in worship. Mm-hmm. And we, you had to talk a little bit. I had to talk because you weren't bit. preaching. I wasn't preaching, so. <laughs> but I don't know that just that little what we you know the song was called "Great Things," and it talks about all the great things that God has done, which mm-hmm. is a pretty simple idea. Um, but I used the psalm and 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 introducing this new song as an opportunity to say, you know, sometimes one of the most challenging things for us all in worship is we we come in to sing about the greatness of God and and we struggle because what's going on in our lives in the moment is not great. Yeah. Uh, we might be going through hard things. And the psalm we read was Psalm 126, which was a, a psalm of ascent mm-hmm. um, that talks about the great, you know, Israel celebrating all the great things God had done in her history as they made their way up, you know, the hill to the city for the feast. And you know, I just talked about sometimes we can't celebrate, you know, we can't allow what's going on in the moment to hinder our celebration of who we know God to be and all the great things that we know for a fact he has done mm-hmm. that transcend what's going on in the moment in our circumstances. And I think just that little bit of exhortation made worship more accessible for our church yesterday yeah. morning. It, it yeah. just people could go, oh, you know what? I get that. I identify with that. I'm I, I've had a hard week, but yet that doesn't mean that God's still not great, and it doesn't mean that God hasn't done great things in my life that are worth my rejoicing and and celebrating in through music right now. Mm-hmm. And I that to me is. One one of the best ways to maybe com- combat this passive worship mentality is just try to make it as accessible you, as you can. And that blog talks about some of the the real practical things that could help with that. Uh, turning the lights up, you know, you know, having moments in the service where the band comes down and the voices are accentuated. Those, yep. In and of themselves, that's not genuine worship but it could make things more accessible for people to engage in a genuine way. Yeah, I, I kind of I just thought of a goofy musical analogy uh, of being accessible where, you know, if any skilled pastor or worship pastor or whatever within a sermon or a worship set will be able to have things that people who are new to the faith can grasp, people who are right. advanced, the right. veterans, etc. Um, and, and it kind of reminds me of, of how I got into music in the first place was through punk rock. Mm. It was accessible. You didn't yeah. have to be good mm. to play it. <laughs> it you, think of, you think of the Ramones explosion in the 70s or the, the punk hardcore in the 80s with like Black Flag and Minor Threat where Black Flag was legitimately, objectively bad music. Like they were not actually good. <laughs> uh, but then you even get into like the 90s with Blink-182 and Newfound Glory and MXPX and it's, it's not complicated. But, but getting into punk and pop punk it being so accessible was kind of the gateway for me getting into much more technical stuff hmm. like periphery, like your, your oh, yeah. big super technical mm-hmm. metal bands. Uh, so what we need to do is we do need to call people higher, but we still have to give people who are new to the faith or maybe not as mature that something that they can grasp and then, you know, they climb up later on. Right. Yeah. So, I think there's always yeah. an opportunity in 
it, good worship leaders, I'll, I'll say this specifically because the question does ask, you know, what is the, what is the responsibility of the worship leaders on stage? I think good worship leaders find opportunities in a given service to highlight the on-ramps, you know, for people yeah. to engage. Like, like what, what is, what is, what, what, what what is the theme of the song set that we're we're doing today? What what what's going on in our church in general? You know what's the pastor preaching about? Um, you know how did I feel coming in this morning, and and how have I pushed through that to to really engage with God this morning? You know, there's just a number of sure. different ways that you can say, you know what? Here's a place where I can just say, hey, come with me. Come with me. I'm just like you. I'm mm-hmm. on the stage, and I have an instrument in my hand and a microphone in front of my mouth, but I'm just like you. We're doing this together. If Whatever way you can give that sense yep. in a service, worship leaders, I think you're going to see the quality of your worship experience improve regardless of how outwardly expressive your church is or is not. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe going back to the beginning, that's the spirit of transparency and fellowship is right. Exactly. Walking together, uh, and, uh, and, and not having the microphone or the guitar or, or you know, Lord forbid a music stand be the barrier, uh, between you. <laughs> Sorry, that, that, that last bit was, was just a, a social media hit. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Sorry, I'm using uh, a music stand, and I'm not apologizing yeah. for it. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, we we just need to make sure that uh, that though we may be a few, you know, in some cases a few feet above the congregation with, uh, right. You know, um, especially when we have like our in ear monitors and everything, and we're we're effectively you know siloed. Um, I, I think in intentionality in making sure that that we uh, walk with the congregation that we usher them in um, is is an important uh, important take home point. So thank you for sharing that, Bradley. Good stuff. Shall we leave it there? Leave it there. All right. Cool. Cool. Follow us and comment on Facebook and Instagram. Subscribe on iTunes and Spotify. Make sure you leave a five star review. You can support the show at Anchor.fm where you can donate money, help us improve. If you pledge to donate $10 a month for a year, you get your choice of a Piper Drive version 2 or the Wickla Fuzz. I don't know what I'm leaving you with in terms of the outro music. I'll think of something by the end of the week. Thanks for listening. Hey, this is Cody from Westminster Effects, and we are going to compare the Edwards Overdrive version 2 built by me in my home office in South Carolina with the Analog Man Prince of Tone that you see on the right-hand side. So a couple of caveats. Basically, our, our toggle switches for the clipping diodes are reversed. So when the Edwards is on the bottom, it's in overdrive mode, vice versa. And also, the presence is a presence cut, so this functions the same as the trim pot in the Prince of Tone. We'll play with that a little later, uh, but this is in its rolled-off mode. So, here's the clean tone. Here we go.
Let's get reset, put it on the clean boost setting with a new riff. We'll be right back. set and do the distortion setting. open this uh, Prince of Tone and have a look at the trim pot in the present settings. Okay, so we have the same settings that we just left off with in the distortion section. So we have presence, which acts as a presence cut. So these are the same thing right now with the presence rolled all the way off functions, kind of like the JHS Morning Glories high cut. So let's just explore that range here.
So there you have it. Comparison between the Edwards Overdrive version 2 and the Analog Man Prince of Tone. If you like what you hear from the Edwards, check us out at WestminsterEffects.com and order yours or see one of our dealers online or nearest to you. Thanks a lot.